Good morning, this is David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 11.08 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time. It's the 25th of September 2023, and this is episode 799 of Bitcoin. And ladies and gentlemen, I will be turning over into the 800s this week for episode numbers on Bitcoin. And and every single time that I turn over a century mark, I keep you know, it, it makes me kind of pause and go, holy crap, it's like another hundred shows. Um, you know, I, I I do this because I figure that it is my public service to the Bitcoin community to bring you, you know, the news. Like, what's going on? Because I'm honestly, who has the time to sit down, you know, all the time and read, you know, all these different articles that are coming coming at you all the time? Because Bitcoin doesn't sleep. It could be a bear market. It could be a bull market. It could be a meh market. It doesn't matter. This stuff just keeps coming and there's no way you can keep on top of it. But if you listen to Bitcoin and you'll be on top of what's going on, generally speaking, on a daily basis. Um, If you want to support the show, please, please, please use a podcasting 2.0 enabled podcast player. It's a modern podcast app. You need a modern podcast app application so that you can send boostergrams to people, hopefully me, so that you can stream people saps, hopefully me, so that you can help support the show that seeks to support your Bitcoin knowledge on a day over day basis. So, oh, oh, by the way, we've got to do uh, Good Beans Coffee is at the Circle P. Circle P is open for business. If you want to get some good coffee, then The Good Beans is for you. Good Beans Coffee is out of El Salvador. They roast it. They grow it. They, they, it's not like, it's not drop shipped. Okay. That if you order coffee from Good Beans Coffee, then there, you're going to get El Salvadoran coffee made in El Salvador from a company in El Salvador and they will ship it to your door. I've heard nothing but really good things about this coffee. Have I tried it myself? No, but they're a Bitcoin company. You can pay for your coffee in Bitcoin. Specifically, you can pay for it with the Lightning Network. Why? Because, you know, they're actually a forward-looking company that seeks to (laughs) make money with real money, not that fiat garbage. No, 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 no. So if you want good coffee and you want to pay actual good money for it, to people that want good money for their goods and services, well, then Good Beans Coffee is for you. Go to thegoodbeans.com. Let me make doubly sure that I've got that done. Hold on for a second. I need to look at something because I want to make sure that this is, in fact, what it is that I am talking about. Hold on. Everybody, hold on. Yes, The Good Beans, with an S at the end, The Good Beans, all one word, dot com. And you will be able to pay for your coffee from El Salvador, from an El Salvadoran company, with the Lightning Network. Please do that. And if you do, if you have a chance and you can, please mention that you heard it here on the Bitcoin and podcast. <clears throat> all right, into the news. Let's start with uh, Cephalic. Detachment syndrome. Yep, cephalic detachment syndrome. It's it's a thing. It is. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, Catan got booted from Twitter. And I don't know if you know who Catan is. He is somebody I've been following since my Twitter days. But he finally got a permaban. 
And it was because of you know, cephalic detachment syndrome. What am I talking about? Well, here's his statement regarding his Twitter slash X account. Today, my Twitter account was permanently banned and my appeal to have it overturned was denied. There was no warning issued, no two-week suspension, no option to delete the offending tweet, just straight permanent deplatforming. My offending tweet, quote, bring back the guillotine, end quote. I quote tweeted this sentence to the video presented here on the 3rd of September, and he gives a, a well, a, a link to that particular uh, twit, tweet, but whatever. Someone reported the tweet, and my account was irrever- irretrievably shut down on the basis of violating rules against violent speech. The vaccines and vaccine mem- mandates caused so much harm to people all over the world. Many lost their livelihoods, incomes, businesses, marriages, families, confidence, and the will to live. Some lost their good health and worse. Some lost their lives. The coercion to get vaccinated was immense. And to be told it was a choice is a kick in the teeth. Today, many regret having taken the vaccine. My crime? I dared to open up the conversation on how best to hold decision makers accountable for their decisions. Meanwhile, other Twitter handles are able to post these and keep their accounts. The inconsistencies and arbitrary nature of these suspensions is astonishing. Adam Hills, he shows a tweet from Adam Hills, who has a blue check. Australia would send a better message to the world if we just hung Pauline Hansen from the, Hansen from the Sydney Harbor Bridge. Dr. Thomas Binder, MD, also a blue check. This says, as a practicing cardiologist and somewhat internist, I can report that the number of short and medium term, mainly cardiovascular, neurological and infectious disease, severe side effects of the unnecessary, negatively effective and life-threatening trans affections seems to be slowly decreasing. While the number of their medium to long-term service side effects, mainly autoimmune disease and especially turbo cancers continues to increase. My most recent case is an 89-year-old, hitherto cheerful and fit lady who suffered from breast cancer 21 years ago. Was still recurrence-free last autumn. She received the fourth commentary or comernati, 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 whatever, shot in October 2022 and now has represented with a recurrence of her breast cancer and it's already at end stage. If I was not such a peace-loving person, I would hang some of these totally irresponsible people per, or responsible persons from the nearest lamppost. So those are the two tweets that he's talking about. They were able to do it, not get banned, but not, you know, not Catan. He, he further says, having said that, I fully accept the consequences of my actions. On a brighter and more productive note, I am proud to have educated thousands on my YouTube channel, Ministry of Nodes, on how to hold their own keys and run their own Bitcoin node such that these arbitrary decisions can't be made with people's money. I'm convinced it will get worse and that we need Bitcoin more than ever. As part of my educational content, I also sell plug-and-play Bitcoin node boxes to those who want to quickly get up and running without the steep learning curve that goes behind it. Have a watch, see how easy it can be, and then he, you know, he plugs his own YouTube channel, which is fine. Catan's a good person, but he is now permanently, permanently banned from Twitter because he mentioned the word guillotine. So, as you would expect on Noster, that's why. That's why you see all the guillotine references. That's why you see it. So, have fun with it. This is the greatest thing about Noster is that we just take something and run the just run with it man that's what we do we do it all the time but my heart goes out to Catan even though I think he should have actually been spending a lot more time on Noster but it looks like now he probably will be okay the other big news for today is that MicroStrategy has bought yet another 147 million dollars worth of bitcoin it now holds 158,000 BTC. MicroStrategy bought the latest Bitcoin stash at an average price of $27,053 per coin or 9% lower than the average purchase price of its entire BTC purchases. 
Uh, so that's, I mean, that's from Cointelegraph, but that's all you need to know. Uh, other than the fact that he uh, announced uh, September the 25th, this would be, you know, clearly Michael Saylor. He announced a 5,445 BTC purchase by the firm. The coins were bought for $147.3 million in cash at a total average price of 27053 Michael Saylor just cannot win. <laughs> he just cannot win. Uh, the average price. What does that mean? Well, that means that he was buy that they were they were buying different lots at different times, and it's just like I remember that he released I think the first or second Bitcoin purchase that MicroStrategy ever made. He kind of released how it was done, and it showed all the individual purchases, and there were hundreds of them. It was basically like automated purchasing of Bitcoin as far as MicroStrategy was concerned. So there's different prices. So I don't know exactly how MicroStrategy sets about purchasing their Bitcoin insofar as do they do it over the entire quarter and then release that those quarterly numbers? That would seem to me to be the 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 way to go. But then you gotta you know think, well during that quarter, how many purchases were made and what prices were they made? How much was bought at any individual price? Yeah, you know it's it's confusing. But every single time this guy announces that he's bought more Bitcoin, what happens to the price of Bitcoin? Price of Bitcoin goes down. It goes down. It's almost. And I said it the last time. I said it last quarter. It's like somebody is out there just waiting for Michael Saylor to announce something. And then, for whatever reason, sell their their Bitcoin, I guess, to Michael Saylor. Because it's not like he stopped buying. He's can, he's Now he's buying even more. So it just goes to show you can't stop Michael Saylor. You can't stop Bitcoin. But you also, in, in, in a very real way, we're all tired of the bear market. You kind of can't stop the bear markets. They're just going to happen. Now, this is the big one that I want to get to today. The UTX Oracle. This is a model of Bitcoin pricing. I want to talk about this. I'm going to do it in a bit of a different way. But to warm up, we're going to read this one from Bitcoin Magazine. It's written by Shinobi. Uh, it kind of warms us up to talking about this particular model of price discovery in BTC. Right? So let's just let's just do it. UTX Oracle is a simple Python script. It takes advantage of a surprising fact about the Bitcoin blockchain. By parsing on-chain data, it's possible to derive an approximate U.S. dollar price. If you look at the left-hand side of the chart above, at the BTC denominations, you'll see that straight lines match up perfectly. Those represent the creation of UTXOs and exact exact round BTC denominations. The wavy lines are UTXOs being created with round fiat denominations. Now I'm going to pause and I'm going to talk about this particular chart that they're referencing. It's a, essentially it's a heat map and you've seen this heat map before most likely, but it's a heat map of the UTXOs that are in the system that are running around and each UTXO is somebody who bought or sold Bitcoin or, or, or sent it to a different wallet. Every time Bitcoin moves on, on the Bitcoin time chain, it leaves a footprint and that footprint tells us about the UTXO. All right. So there could be like 0.01 BTC in the UTXO. There could be 10. There could be 0.001 BTC. There could be a hundred. There could be a thousand. There could be 10,000 BTC. They're all just UTXOs. The point that this chart or the point that this chart makes is that at certain levels of BTC, there is a huge amount. Now levels, what I mean by level, I don't mean price. I mean the amount of BTC in a UTXO it has nothing to do with the price. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, great in great detail. We're just talking about how much BTC was moved and what is that amount? 
it turns out, it turns out that the preponderance of all these UTXOs have a tendency to be certain amounts of Bitcoin. Like there's a quite a lot of zero or 0.01 BTC in transactions. And they're always there since the beginning of the Bitcoin time chain. It seems that most people are representing the preponderance of people that are actually performing transactions on Bitcoin time chain, make them at point. 0.01 BTC. There's also heavy lines at 0.005 BTC. There's also a whole lot at 0.001 BTC. But you know where there's not a real thick line? And we're talking across time. So it go, it's, a, it's a horizontal line. It's like, I'll show, I'll show the guys on Zapstream a picture of it here in a minute when we get to this other article. But I'm just thinking... I'm get I want you to start thinking about a chart and that there's solid lines that go across from left to right. There's a whole bunch of lines that go that also go left to right, but the thickest ones, the ones that are most obvious in the chart are at 0.001 BTC, 0.005, 1 BTC, 10 BTC. There's these round numbers and The people that are doing this are signaling something. And this guy that wrote this Python script, he's, he's got something going on here and it's kind of exciting, but we're going to, we're going to pull it all apart today. So all of this is to say that a large percentage of BTC transactions, about 15% of all of them create outputs with round denominations in fiat currencies an obscure data quirk that allows software to make derivative assumptions about the economic activity that they represent. By finding the points where these wavy and straight lines intersect, one can ascertain a point in time when the fiat price of BTC was a round amount and extrapolate to other points in time. But while this may sound highly technical, and it is, the intermediate or immediate result is something useful for every Bitcoiner, especially those who want to harness its decentralization. With UTX Oracle, users who run a full node no longer need to rely on third-party exchange price data. And that's the crux of the UTX Oracle model, right? That's that's why we're here today. By the way, this is me talking. I'm pausing. This is the focus it, this model is being used to determine price without looking at Coinbase, without looking at Huobi, without looking at Bitstamp. It's inferring the price, and we'll get into how it does that because this is an important model. This one is not going to go away. It's not perfect, it has its issues, but. This thing is solid AF, and it's just, I believe that it's going to get better. Now, let's continue. UTX Oracle allows you to track the fiat price average solely with on-chain data, not only giving new abilities to Bitcoiners, but to its product builders as well. In short, it's a big breakthrough that we expect to manifest itself further in the years ahead. Released today, after some months of work, I had the chance to ask the creator and developer Steve Jeffress a few questions about the project. Well, Shinobi, we're not going to talk. We're not going to read that part of your article. This is just an introduction of what comes next. So, what is coming next? Also from Bitcoin Magazine, this one written by Daniel Hinton and Steve Jeffress, which is Steve Jeffress is the creator of the UT. X Oracle model. This is out of Bitcoin Magazine. It's entitled UTX Oracle, a decentralized approach to the Oracle problem. Now, for the guys over in uh, Zapstream, I'm going to put up my notes on this article and read it from Obsidian, which is my note-taking software that I use. And it's free. So this, but this thing's great. I basically just cut and paste 
all of the um, all of the text into this thing and was able to make notes uh, using it. And there's several different ways that you can do that, but I really like uh, Obsidian because it kind of it kind of keeps everything together and it's your data, it's on your machine, and you can make inferences between. You, you, well, I won't get into it. it, but go, if you were looking for a note taking software, please, please, please uh, go look at, uh, obsidian.md. You, if you're the kind of person that wants to start keeping stuff straight and have the ability to possibly see connections between notes you made a year ago and stuff you're reading, you know, this year, or ideas that you have and how they might connect to other things that you have in, in all of the notes that you keep, then you're going to want obsidian.md. And by the way, it's totally free. Okay, here we go. We now know how to infer the daily price of Bitcoin with within 1% by looking only at the unspent transaction output set. With this, we can build a decentralized application that rely on the UTXO set rather than on trusted third-party oracles. For the USD price used in discrete log contracts as well as smart contracts, the possibilities for decentralized applications on Bitcoin using this UTXO oracle are enormous. There is no single price of Bitcoin. Every second of the day, there are thousands of exchanges, Brokers, OTC desks, payment companies, and other market participants around the world quoting the price of Bitcoin, and none of them is always correct. What trust-minimized tools could you build if you could calculate an accurate price for Bitcoin at every block height using only your Bitcoin full node and an open source model? Well, DLC derivatives, like options futures, perpetual futures. You do on-chain lending markets. Uh, Peer-to-peer marketplaces could take part of this. Bitcoin-backed USD stablecoins on Lightning could grab its price from the UTX Oracle. Stable value USD accounts denominated in Bitcoin. Actually, any use case that requires a USD, United States dollar, component. Any one of these concepts successfully implemented implemented on the Bitcoin blockchain in a trust-minimized way, could deliver tremendous value to both Bitcoiners, utilizing Bitcoin for its superior monetary properties and participants in the Bitcoin ecosystem who need to remain partially tied to USD, but want to utilize Bitcoin as their settlement network. During the 2016 to 2017 block size wars, The merits of not only running a fully validating Bitcoin node, but conducting economic activity using your node, were convincingly argued in helping the network avoid a meaningful fork that could have delayed Bitcoin's success. For purposes of our current discussion, it can be said that this tumultuous time in Bitcoin's history emphasized that in the same way that someone can run 1 million full nodes on a cloud server that signal for a particular upgrade, but not influence the network of economic actors in any way if they are not actively settling transactions. Centralized exchanges can produce volume and price statistics that, in reality, do not carry economic weight and which are not reflected in the UTXOs that are settled onto the Bitcoin blockchain. You can temporarily give the appearance of having more Bitcoin than you do within a closed system, like an exchange, but as long as there is a credible threat of withdrawal for settlement to the Bitcoin base layer, any mispricing within the closed system will eventually resolve itself back to equilibrium with the external market. For example... When Mt. Gox was insolvent in 2013 to 2014, but before it officially collapsed, the reported price of Bitcoin on the platform was markedly different from other exchanges due to the fact that Mt. Gox did not have nearly as much Bitcoin as it claimed. As a result, it needed to entice new users to deposit to the exchange in order to fulfill withdrawals from existing customers. Within the Mt. Gox system, the price could be manipulated, but... When users attempted to arbitrage the price back to the market, Mt. Gox collapsed. In contrast, 
The Bitcoin blockchain is the largest ledger in the world to corrupt. It represents the entire history of economic settlement activity to have occurred and is the final arbiter of truth with regard to the status of all Bitcoin in existence. Transactions that matter are settled on the Bitcoin blockchain, not in closed systems. Final settlement is what matters. People have a difficult time grasping Bitcoin since it's impossible for them to take a physical coin out of their pocket, point to it, and say, this is a Bitcoin. One analogy I've gravitated towards when describing a specific amount of Bitcoin in a person's possession is visualizing an individual bill in a physical wallet. These bills can represent any amount and are only good for one use. So if you need to spend $3 and you only have a $100 bill, you can't rip off a corner of the bill. You would need to spend the entire $100 bill and get your change back. In Bitcoin parlance, each of these bills is a UTXO. Anytime you send Bitcoin, you are sending and destroying at least one UTXO while simultaneously creating at least one new one. If you run any version of the Bitcoin software at any point in time, you can count up all the Bitcoin contained in existing UTXOs to determine exactly how much Bitcoin currently exists. In fact, when used together, the Bitcoin blockchain and UTXO set are perfectly accurate in determining the history and current state of the Bitcoin network. This never-before-seen capability in the decentralized system helped the 19 million Bitcoin currently in existence grow to be worth several hundred billion dollars. The Bitcoin software user <clears throat> uses units of Bitcoin called Satoshis for its internal accounting. While it may be obvious that one Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin, this also means that when someone wants to send $100 worth of Bitcoin, the participants in this transaction need to agree on the price of Bitcoin at the time of the transaction to know how much Bitcoin this corresponds to. Did you know that people transact Bitcoin in round USD amounts? Interestingly, because there, this is such a common occurrence, there are clearly recognizable patterns that exist in the UTXO set that can be used to closely infer the price of Bitcoin at any point in the past or present. Imagine that you are buying Bitcoin at an ATM or buying a gift card online. Will you buy $100 worth or $39.27 worth? Round USD values like $100, ranging from $1 up to several thousand dollars, are very common denominations in the Bitcoin blockchain. In fact, since 2014, there has been a growing on-chain footprint of these round USD value Bitcoin transactions, which on some days can account for up to 25% of daily outputs created. The United States has by far the largest installed base of Bitcoin ATMs globally. U.S. Bitcoin ATM operators have grown dramatically since 2019. And the Bitcoin UTXO set vividly displays this market's growth as more people chose to hold or at least transact in Bitcoin over USD. USD. Also, as seen with clients at S. Fox. Bitcoin ATM flows are made of nearly all customer buys, putting cash into an ATM and receiving Bitcoin. So the on-chain footprint of this activity consolidates signals at round USD values. Other large Bitcoin markets, such as gift cards, peer-to-peer -peer exchanges, and many other less common use cases also contribute to this pattern of USD-denominated Bitcoin usage. There is only one Bitcoin UTXO set at any given block height. This picture depicts the entire approximately 70 million UTXOs that comprise all 19 million Bitcoin in existence as of block 772,298. With Bitcoin being truly permissionless, Anyone running a fully validating Bitcoin node has this exact same data on their computer and can independently repl replicate this exact same data set for this point in time. A live version of this visualization can be seen and interacted with at utxo.live. That is utxo.live and you'll get all manner of stuff and I'll go through some of it later.
I'm skipping. I'm not going to describe these charts right now. I'm just going to move on. We'll come, we'll come back. I'll do my best for you guys that are audio only. Zooming into the 2022 section of the chart highlights that there are consistent patterns in the UTX set. We'll focus on two such patterns. Horizontal lines and wavy lines. Horizontal lines, which are the flat lines that go from left to right, represent UTXOs denominated in round values of Bitcoin. For example, 0 0.001, 0.005, 0.01, and 1, etc., etc., 10, 100, 1,000, you, you, you get the drift. Flat at any USD price because sending 1 BTC always equals 1 BTC. Now for the horizontal or the wavy lines. These represent groupings of UTXOs denominated in round USD values from $1, $20, $50, $100, $200, $500, you know, 1000 things like that. They're very wavy, yet they're parallel to each other because people send in many USD denominations and these denominations all move in proportion to each other as the BTC USD price changes. More inver- move inversely to price. That's what these are doing. They're moving inversely to price. BTC slash USD price increase causes the wavy lines to slope down since it takes less BTC to equal a USD value as price moves up and vice versa. Okay, I know it's confusing, but making sense of the lines. The fact that the horizontal lines exist isn't all that impressive. People transacting in Bitcoin often transact in round amounts of Bitcoin. But the fact that the wavy lines exist clearly and consistently is a big deal. It means that given an open source model, this could help bring about the ability to independently calculate the price of Bitcoin using only your full node at the blo- at any block height. And you can develop genuine DeFi applications without the need for or sole reliance upon trusted third-party price oracles. How can you easily test the hypothesis that the wavy lines represent movement of Bitcoin denominated in USD? Simply pick a date when you know the BTC USD price crossed a round USD value and see if the horizontal and wavy lines cross. One such case is July 27th, 2020. Bitcoin was recovering from the March 2020 mayhem and crossed over $10,000 per BTC. The image below shows the wavy line, which represents the United States dollar value, crossing down below the horizontal line, which represents BTC at 10,000 sats. That's a that line represents 10,000 Satoshi UTXOs, and there's a lot of them, which that's why there's a thick, solid line right there. <clears throat> this particular image is the 10,000 sat line, but the same pattern exists at many other BTC denominations as you progress up the UTXO chart. Still don't see it? You can zoom in and explore a high-resolution image at UTXO.live. Clearly, the wavy lines on the chart show transactions denominated in USD. This has enormous ramifications. Since the wavy line pattern exists in varying degrees in every block, and this is extremely consistent over rolling periods such as every 144 blocks, you know, roughly a day, 24 hours. Seeing the horizontal and variable lines cross at round USD values is nice, but a majority of the time, The lines are not very close to one another. We need a way to prime a pricing model from these crossing points that will infer an accurate current price at any block height after the date the model is primed from. Enter the UTX Oracle model. The red line is the daily W or sorry, VWAP from SFOX, an aggregator whose price encompasses the filled trades from dozens of exchanges and OTC desks. The blue line is the UTX Oracle daily price calculation on each day's UTXO changes. Okay, I'm going to pause for just a second. <laughs> 
we've got a chart here that shows this named the daily Bitcoin price. Left-hand side is the actual daily Bitcoin price starting at, you know, $10,351 all the way up to 80,000. And we start from 2020, eh, like, you know, a little bit before the first of the year of 2021. And we're into, you know, basically 2023, January, somewhere around there. It's basically what it's doing is it's, it's got a red line and a blue line. So the red line is the price that we're getting from exchanges. The blue line is the Bitcoin price that we're getting from the UTX Oracle model. And lo and behold, ladies and gentlemen, these things are very, very close together. What does that mean? That means that with, with that the UTX uh, Oracle model, without having to go to a third-party exchange to get the price, can infer its own price, and it's really, really close. <laughs> very, very close. The blue, <clears throat> like, for, for let, me, let me go ahead and I'll start reading again here. For the measurement period of July 2020 to January of 2023, the model performs exceptionally well with daily median and daily average variances between the actual VWAP and the UTX Oracle price of being between 0.65% and 1.04% respectively, both of which are within the normal range of fees charged for Bitcoin purchases at retail or exchanges. All right, let me just pause. Let's take a breath. What he's saying is that the differential between what the UTX Oracle model predicted in price is somewhere between 0.65% and 1.04% different than what the VWAP, essentially if I say VWAP, just think going to Coinbase and looking at the price. The prices between all these major exchanges and what the Oracle predicted now, we're not talking about future prediction. We're talking about on the day, right? You, this is not a prediction model. I'm going to say that three times. This is not a prediction model. This is not a prediction model. This is not a prediction model. You cannot use this thing in TA, okay? You cannot use this to say a week from now, the price of Bitcoin will be X because I looked at it at the UTX Oracle model. It does not work that way. This is to get a price of Bitcoin at any given time that is either present or in the past given online UTXO data only without having to go to any other quote unquote Oracle. What it's doing is it's causing your own Bitcoin node and just the UTXO data set itself to be the actual oracle of the price. And so far, this thing is either 1% or below in variance. That means that it's like 99% accurate. That's kind of amazing considering that it never went to go seek price. It needed a priming point, right? It needed to prime and say, okay, at this date, the price from all these oracles, and maybe it was an average price of 15 different oracles, was, you know, the price of Bitcoin was X. After that, the the what it predicts after that is actually astonishingly close to what actually occurred in real life. Right? So let's let's move on. Because there are trade-offs, right? <clears throat> well, actually, hold on. I, I, I need to read something before we get into that. It's been said that all models are wrong, but some models are useful. One key difference between the UTX Oracle model and other models that output a Bitcoin price is that the UTX Oracle model does not seek to predict a future price. It merely attempts to infer an accurate current price based on recent blocks and corresponding changes in the UTXO set. Given that the current model has also not been fine-tuned for a best fit and simply uses a single primer date for its input, the model is clearly wrong. Hopefully, it can be useful. And here are the trade-offs. If Bitcoin has taught me anything, it's that trade-offs exist 
The UTX Oracle model is no different. The Bitcoin UTXO set is a beautiful living monument to the human spirit, but try as we may, any model created from it will not fully encapsulate the entirety of the underlying activity which it represents. A map cannot be as accurate as the territory it represents. The UTX Oracle model relies on several concepts to function correctly. One, Bitcoin UTXO data which is free and widely available data accessed by running a full node. Two, Bitcoin price data to identify a time or series of times upon which to prime the model based on free and widely available data. Three, a model to apply the primer dates generally to any date. There are many ways to optimize that. And fourth, a way for users of the UTX Oracle output price to utilize the price in DeFi applications, and that needs significant effort to develop. On centralized venues, people have been known to spoof large buy or sell orders in order in an order book to make it seem as though there is a large buyer or seller in the market only to later remove these buy-sell orders without actually having any trades filled. This can actually move markets on centralized venues, but you cannot spoof UTXOs. They either exist in a mind block or they do not. It takes a long time to create a fake price signal and it's obvious when someone tries to do so. Currently, it looks as though using a daily UTX Oracle signal rather than a single block interval achieves a price accurate enough to use in practice. This approach has the added benefit of greatly increasing the cost of attack in mimicking or censoring transactions which would be most useful in producing the UTX Oracle price at any certain time. Even if someone created many UTXOs at levels mimicking a different Bitcoin price, there is no mechanism to remove the real transactions that reflect the accurate price. At best, an attacker, an attacker would create an additional set of wavy lines. UTXOs are expensive to fake. There's no such thing as spam in the Bitcoin blockchain. There are only transactions that pay a fee to be included in a block. This means that blockchain data is expensive to produce or censor, and there is a real cost of capital in creating UTXOs to fake a price signal. Current model accuracy diminishes after about two years, as is visible in the chart. In practice, it's likely that a model will need to be recalibrated after some period of time. Changing the model to take into account different UTXO patterns carries much less risk than changing consensus rules in Bitcoin. Unless participants are transacting in multi-year options slash futures contracts on chain, this is likely not a meaningful barrier to use. The current model does not deal with extreme volatility well. Mempool variations in price volatilities create situations where the UTX Oracle price can temporarily vary from the centralized exchange price by more than 10%. While this can likely be improved upon with a more comprehensive model, it does highlight a potential serious limitation of the practical use of the model. Then there is the AI echo chamber problem. If the model is successful, it may become less effective. <laughs> in a world where many people are setting economic activities using the price inferred by a UTX Oracle model, there will be many additional UTXOs settled in round USD values. These UTXOs may diminish the model's accuracy or distort it in other ways similar to how a large language model trained on LLM-generated content will not match the effectiveness of one trained on human-generated content. So using a UTX Oracle model in practice, love it or hate it, you know the word ordinals. <laughs> ordinals taught me that people can coalesce around a methodology of interpreting the UTXO set that is technically external to Bitcoin but which can be solidified at the social layer as an additional protocol on top of Bitcoin. It's my hope that a sufficiently accurate UTX Oracle model will be produced by someone which will allow people to use that version of the model as a shelling point in building decentralized applications on Bitcoin. It's my further hope that Bitcoiners can develop a method of using these 
one or more competing models in a trust minimized way to expand how Bitcoin is able to bring financial peace to the world. A successful implementation would be one in which model inputs are publicly known and outcomes are verifiable. Discrete log contract or DLC participants can contest fraudulent outcomes by calculating their own price using the model inputs. An elegant solution to this issue remains an unsolved challenge and one in which any of these security models are possible. One, peer-to-peer. Two or more ordinary participants can utilize the UTX Oracle model without third parties. Verifiable, centralized Oracle attestations. A centralized Oracle signs a message with a particular UTX Oracle pricing model that the Oracle will use and participants are able to verify outcomes and punish wrongdoing. Three, UTX Oracle as a quorum member. Use the UTX Oracle price as a logic check in a traditional centralized Oracle model or in a two of three or three of five multi-Oracle setup. Pausing to say it's sort of like a multi-sig, but multiple oracles instead of signatures. Just saying. Continuing. UTX Oracle use cases. So here's the meat and potatoes. What the hell can we even use it for? We're going to get into it. Like DLC derivatives. Okay. The the options, futures, perpetual futures. These are all kinds of DLC derivatives. This would enable users to buy or sell contracts in an open marketplace where outcomes are administered by participants using a UTX Oracle price. For example, Alice deposits an amount of Bitcoin to a DLC-governed address. Bob pays Alice an amount of Bitcoin denominated in USD, as evidenced by the UTX Oracle price. At the time of settlement, Alice or Bob may produce a signature from an oracle attesting to the price calculated under the UTX Oracle model to determine the settlement flow of funds as expired or exercised. On-chain lending markets, users can borrow or lend in an open marketplace where the loan life cycle is administered by participants using a UTX Oracle price. For example, I have one BTC, let's say at a $100,000 value and want to take a partial loan of $30,000 without selling my Bitcoin, I can coordinate with a market maker to deposit my 1 BTC and the market maker's 0.3 BTC at a value of $30,000 to an address governed by a DLC. Upon funding, I may spend the 0.3 BTC for my desired use case. Normal Loan Repayments In this use case, a borrower has the option to sign a transaction granting the market maker $30,000 in value of the original 1 BTC or to deposit $30,000 in value as evidenced by the UTX Oracle price and withdraw the original 1 BTC. Upon liquidation, if the value of the 1 BTC in the DLC governed address falls to somewhere near $30,000, As evidenced by the UTX Oracle price, the market maker can sweep out the entire 1BTC to liquidate the loan and recoup their principal. StableSats. The UTX Oracle model also offers an interesting use case around StableSats, referring to Bitcoin-backed USD stablecoins or stable-value USD accounts denominated in Bitcoin or Lightning, for instance. Imagine that you want to hold $1,000 of Bitcoin or $1,000 worth of Bitcoin for the next month. You don't want to or cannot hold the $1,000 in cash at a bank in Ethereum or Tron-based stablecoins or at an exchange. You could enter into an agreement with a market maker on the Lightning Network to stream the daily net price change in value to you you would be able to independently validate that the correct amounts are being paid by using your what? Your UTX Oracle model that you agreed to. At the end of the month, you will have a different amount of Bitcoin in your Lightning Channel, but it will be worth $1,000. Peer-to-peer marketplaces. As a seller in an online marketplace, it's currently difficult to price items in Bitcoin due to the volatility as well as the fact that your expenses 
are likely in USD. But accepting payments in USD means accepting chargeback risk, fraud, and the fees and complexity inherent in modern payment systems. Pricing products in USD, but having the flexibility to accept a USD value in Bitcoin via the UTXO Oracle model could encourage more Bitcoin-denominated commerce. What are the next steps for UTX Oracle? As outlined in the Oracle, I believe the UTX Oracle model could be a powerful tool in advancing Bitcoin use cases and extending financial freedom to more of the world. While it does have trade-offs, I believe it represents an exciting frontier that can improve upon existing solutions that require more trust in third parties. All right, so that's the end of the article. And again, this was written by Daniel Hinton and the creator of the model. His name is Steve Jeffress, J-E-F-F-R-E-S-S. I'm going to go back up here. Uh, I'm, I'm scrolling through what I what I just read, and the people over on Zapstream can see these. Uh, and then again, this is this is my Obsidian.md uh, application that I'm using. So I've made a couple of notes that I want to get to. We're talking about a system that using basically two things: the UTXO set of information that is freely available to anybody running a node and a single point in which the price of BTC was agreed upon in the model that you pick, the human user would pick, right? That's where, this is where it kind of, I mean, honestly, right up front, it kind of falls apart because you're like, well, then shit, this ain't worth nothing. There's got to be an anchor point to reality. And it's not, and again, since this is not a prediction model, and that's very important to understand, it's not to predict the price. It's to say, given all the information that I have, the prime, the priming price on this date, given the UTXO set on this day, maybe a week after we primed the model, the price is this, and it's within 1% of the actual price. That's acceptable. In my opinion, that's acceptable. Okay. Well, what what happens if all the exchanges immediately start using the UTX Oracle model for their pricing? What happens if there's half of them start doing that? Well, like he said, the more the model is actually used, the less effective it may turn out to be. And this is a Schrodinger's cat situation. And if you don't know what Schrodinger's cat is, it's probability. It's a, it's a thought, uh, it's a thought experiment around quantum probability. And you don't need to worry about quantum. Just think of rolling dice, right? You don't, you're holding the dice in your hand. You can see them. You don't know what they're going to end up, you know, displaying once you throw them. That's the probability portion. Schrodinger's cat basically essentially is this inside of a box that has no windows. There is a living cat and a bottle of poison. And that bottle of poison is somehow connected to a way to release that poison. If some quantum probability event occurs, like a cosmic ray just happens to hit the target on top of a lid of this poison. And once it senses it, the lid disintegrates, releasing the poison into the box. So at any given time, you have in the box that you cannot see inside of what? You have either a live cat or you have a dead cat. That's Schrodinger's cat, right? Schrodinger's cat at any given time is both alive and it is dead because the only way to make the observation of what actually occurred is for you to open the lid. And what that means is what's called collapsing the probability wave. At any given time that you are not observing something, the probability of that something being one, two, 115 million different things is that that whole thing is infinite. It's up for grabs. It is only when the observer observes what happens does probability cease to exist 
and you find out whether you've got a dead cat or a live cat, right? This is sort of the exact same thing. We, when we prime the model by giving it a price of like, let's say we take the price that it was on some day two weeks ago, from now on, we're kind of in probability land, but we at that on that day, we completely collapsed the probability wave and we knew the price of Bitcoin was this, but, but we didn't because there's like 15 different exchanges and they all have 15 different prices. So the best we can do is take an average, but still in some way, shape or form, we've kind of collapsed the probability wave. But since we're have primed the pump two weeks ago, now we're still in probability land, Right. Well, if the exchanges all start using it, well, there's a couple of things that that happen. You get a global unified price and arbitrage trading dies on the vine immediately. And you might be thinking that's a good thing. Yeah, but if we're all looking at the UTXO model, then that model starts poisoning its own probability wave. And I... I don't want to belabor that too much. Just think about it from that standpoint. Think of the Schrodinger's cat situation and then think about the fact that if we all start using this model that is not predictive, right? Well, I mean, not future predictive. It's it's a bit predictive on the day because you're looking, please tell me the price on this day. But if everybody's using it, then all of a sudden there's the the probability of the price being different collapses further and further and further until you've essentially have an open box with either a dead cat or a live cat inside of it. Is this good or bad? I don't know. I'm, I am not, I reserve my answer to that question until way farther in, you know, in time. But when, when he talks about like that goes on and says, talks about what if somebody puts up a million, you know, nodes and starts using the Python script that uh, the the UTX uh, Oracle model the that it's a Python script. What if somebody spoofs that and starts put you know somehow or another putting out false data? The whole point is that would be very expensive to do. So yes, you could if you wanted to get it, spin up a million nodes in Amazon cloud services and start doing. But the thing is, is that the model itself only relies on those transactions that were actually made. So this whole, you know, falsing uh, a massive sell on Bitstamp to try to scare everybody into selling their Bitcoin so that they can buy it cheaper, that shit ends. That goes away because the only thing this model uses is what actually happened and the ability to prime that model to say, okay, well, on this particular, it gives it a point of reference is what it's doing. And after that, you're kind of off to the races. And then every once in a while, you might have to reprime the model with a new price on a new date, right? But even then, it's only on that particular snapshot, that particular block height. When that block came through, what was the price? What was the average price across 10, 15, 20 exchanges? The only way to really spoof that is to make actual transactions and either find somebody to buy it really, really high so that you spoof the price up or sell at an actual loss to yourself by selling low. That's what I love about this model is it, it, it's as this thing goes forward, spoofing it is probably not, not an option. And again, the whole arbitrage thing kind of goes away because if Bitstamp and Bitfinex are using a UTX Oracle model for pricing, given the UTXO set, which both those exchanges have the exact same copy of, well, then there's no arbitrage because they're agreeing on the price. Well, now what the hell happens if legacy financial markets start doing this? Well, they kind of can't because there's only really one place to buy Ford or, well, let's say uh, General Motors stock, right? There's only really one place that you can buy a stock of Oracle. There's not a whole lot of, as far as I know, I can't just go buy Oracle on the Indian stock exchange. If I'm wrong about that, then I will 
I will eat my crow. But from what I can tell, that just doesn't really occur. And everybody's going to be looking at NYSE, you know, or or uh, the CBOE or uh, the Dow Jones for their price oracles nature. So it kind of doesn't apply. But what about gold? What about silver, precious metals? What about other commodities? Because you can buy that shit everywhere. What if they start using the same type of thing? Well, they kind of can't. They kind of can't because they're all of those chains that w- the would be transaction chains of gold being bought on one, you know, from this particular jewelry store, you'd have to trust the jewelry store to actually report the correct data. Impossible cannot be done. You cannot trust that data. This is the Bitcoin is the only place that this can be done. It's fascinating I cannot wait to see how this model develops. Does that mean that it's always going to be right or that there's not a massive failure in its future? I have no idea. But there's something about this. (coughs) There's something about this that reminds me of physicists, and specifically astrophysicists. You know, and, and even back in Einstein's time, when they were like, they had the, like even the rudimentary telescopes of the thir- 1930s, 1940s, 1950s, we knew enough about the fact that we lived in a galaxy and we, Newtonian, you know, calculations would tell us what the spin of that galaxy is supposed to be. We knew enough about physics. We knew enough about mass that it caused everybody in these rooms that were looking at how the galaxy was actually behaving or actually not our galaxy, other galaxies. They were, I think they were looking at Andromeda, which is our sister uh, spiral galaxy. And they were all saying, including Einstein, was like, there's no way that motion can happen. There's something there that we can't see. We can't detect it, but it has to be there. And that's where the term dark matter came from. It was Einstein saying this shit's impossible unless there is 90% more mass than what we can see that we can calculate given what we see that shit doesn't work it's this it's this ability of humans to be able to inject a way of looking at data that they can't see to be able to find real credible answers this is the same thing and that's why i think this model is probably the most important thing going on in Bitcoin moving forward along with Bitcoin itself, clearly. Otherwise, none of this shit exists. The Lightning Network and Noster. You need to keep your eye on UTX Oracle. If you don't, you're going to miss out. You're going to miss out. I just, I can't say that enough. Now, we've gone an entire freaking hour on this. Okay. And I'm going to stop the show here because I don't like it when we get to going over a whole hour. People have other things to do. So for the rest of the news, uh, you're going to have to get that one tomorrow, right? For episode 800 of Bitcoin. And I won't even do the market report today because my God, I can't believe that we've gone this long. 63 minutes so far. Um, For all of you that have been with me on Zap.Stream, thank you, thank you, thank you. I appreciate it. Let me see if there's any questions here. Um, Looks like I got, let's see, what do I have? Hold on. It's kind of hard to see. Got a couple of people here. We've got three viewers. So uh, for all of you guys that are out there on Zap.Stream, if you would do me a favor and like tomorrow when I do a stream, uh, tweet that out, get it out on your own social medias and say, join us. Let's see if we can get these numbers up. I would really appreciate it. Um, let's see here. ZPLBZX says Python based machine learning must be the definition of Skynet. Maybe. Does it always mean that it's going to be evil? No, it doesn't. It doesn't mean that it won't. Oh, hell, I don't know. <laughs> no, actually, it, no. The, the answer to that, I do know. The answer is no. There's no way to know if something will be evil or, or good. It's just impossible. You have to see what, what shakes out of that shit. Uh, he also says, 
Obsidian has some plugins for using your own data for machine language learning as well. Yes, it does. I have the large language models loaded up on my Obsidian, but honestly, I don't use them that often. But, you know, your mileage may vary. Uh, Wild Hustle, thank you for the 121 Satoshis. I do appreciate it. And that's, you know what? That looks like it's it. So that's going to do it for the morning roundup. And I will see you on the other side. This has been Bitcoin and, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.